Welcome to the Nobody Guide to Life, where we provide tips and tools for personal growth, personal development, and your spiritual journey that you can use right now in your everyday life. I'm J.A. Plosker. You can always find out more at thenobodyguidetolife.com, or you can check us out at Twitter and Facebook at Nobody's View, or you can join our Facebook group, Simple Spirituality. Thank you so much for joining us. So if you were here last week, you remember today's guest very well. Medical intuitive, psychic, medium, podcast host, author, and all-around awesome person, Julie Ryan. Welcome back to the show, Julie. Thank you, sir. Love to be here. Oh, it's just so wonderful to hear your voice again. It's just great to have you here. So last week, we talked about your personal journey and, and some of the work you do and the gifts that you have, medical, intuitive, psychic. And today, I'd like to go more in-depth into an area where you have a lot of expertise. And I, I, I think it's really something that is just so special about this buffet of psychicness that you said you had last week. This is a really special dish. And I think it's something that you have so much vision with. What happens when we die? So I just want to get right into it. Now, now first off, as, as our listeners know, I read your book, Angelic Attendance, um, and that's at AskJulieRyan.com. And I found it quite illuminating and quite engrossing. And I was wondering, there was a story in there, and I want to kind of kick off this discussion of death with this story. You said that you have an ability to remove ghosts from buildings or to help the dead sort of cross over. And there was a story in the book about a friend of yours that had an office building, and, and you were exploring that building. And something happened in there with a transition. Can you talk about that a little bit, about that phenomenon, about that gift you have? Sure. I... I turn my, I'm, first of all, I'm a businesswoman that does woo-woo, J.A., as I told you last week, and I have a buffet of, I'm a buffet of psychicness. And <laughs> so that. That, that just means I can do medical scans, I can do pet scans, we can talk to deceased loved ones, do spirit guide things, tell how close to death somebody is, communicate with people who are dying that can't talk, things like that. And and I turn my abilities on and off at will. I don't right. walk around scanning people because I don't think it's ethical to do that. Right, right. And so I was. I met a friend at his office, and it was in the evening. Everybody was gone. And he said, why don't you follow me downstairs, and I'm going to just check everything, make sure everything's locked up. It was a two-story building. So I said, okay, fine. And so we go downstairs, and he said, are you picking up on anything? And I said, like, what? And he said, like spirits because he kept telling me that the building was haunted right and i said no but i don't have my radar turned on and so <laughs> i turned my radar on it takes a nanosecond and i started seeing all these spirits in there and it was as if there was a separate reality happening right. and we went in this one hallway ja and it was it looked like a morgue hmm. and there were like and this was all holographic so it was there were these bodies that were had their heads they were laying on the on the floor and they had their heads up against this wall and they were covered in white sheets they were corpses right thought, what the heck is going on and then there were all these other spirits that were walking around some of them were dressed up in in sunday clothes it was it was late 1800s it mm. looked like and it mid yeah probably the you know, 1870, 1880, something like that. And, 
And so some people were dressed in their Sunday best, like they were going to church, and then other people were dressed in overalls and had shovels and pickaxes and stuff Whoa. like that. So since I can talk to dead people, <laughs> I, I asked some of them, I said, what's going on? And they said there was a train that had derailed. Wow. And the and uh, they were trying to help the injured, and some people had died, and so it was the townspeople that had come out to help and do all of that, and uh, and it was just wild the stuff that I was seeing. It it was I I felt like I was watching a movie. Right, it's just wild. And did you help any of the spirits in the building transition? Are they are were they trapped there? Are they not all trapped there? Well, okay. I, I, trapped, I don't think is the operative word. I think they're living in a in a concurrent reality. Okay. And they wanted to continue to experience human form. They it was like they had one foot in heaven and one foot in our reality as we know it. And okay. so they were still working out whatever it is they needed to work out. And so, yes, I helped all of them go into the light and go to heaven. The interesting thing was when I did some research and I was telling a girlfriend about it and she helped me do this, we found that there had been a train derailment in that town wow. at that time. But the thing that didn't make sense, the, the break in the correlation was they had fewer victims than what I saw in this morgue. But mm. then what we figured out, because she found some other corroborating evidence, was that there was a TB epidemic going on. The people who had died in the train crash, they just brought to another makeshift morgue that was already being used for the TB victims. Right. Wow. Do you do you often do that? Do you ever do research to follow all up the on all the time? Wild. Yeah, all the time. And so do my clients. Uh, there was a, a family that was fixing Thanksgiving dinner a couple years ago, and they called me after Thanksgiving. They said, "Okay, uh, all the women were in the kitchen, and we were fixing dinner. We were." dealing with the turkey and dressing and stuff. And we saw these antique cooking utensils come off the wall and float through the air and land on the countertop. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and they all said, oh, my God, we got to talk to Julie, but it's Thanksgiving, so we can't get to her. We'll have to wait until Monday. <laughs> and so they sent me an email, urgent email. Long story short, we found the... Um, when I scanned the house, there were there was a family there, and it was a father, and it was a Confederate soldier who was looking for his daughter. And we got the family's name. We got when they lived there. They it was a farm that was now a housing development. And the owner of the house said, "Yeah, we found antique farm tools buried in the ground." Wow. So that would make sense. But then one of the nephews, who's a professor someplace. He uh, did some research, and they found the original deed to the house with the people's name on it. So it's Here's really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. And I would say, yeah, most of the time, we're able to corroborate the information that we get from Spirit. Now, the reason I started with that story is because I want to talk to you a little bit about the dying process. And I think, you know, it's not simple. I think sometimes people think, Dying is a simple process. One, one minute you're here, one minute you're not. But then you talk to psychics and mediums and you realize that there are energies sometimes in both worlds. But then I read the descriptions in your book or see the description on your website and it looks like some spirits just 
depart absolutely and it's when it's their time. Can we spend some time now talking about what happens in the death process? What happens when we die? Can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, as I mentioned before last week, and for those of you that haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode yet, our spirits are our bodies are attached to our spirits. Actually, our bodies are inside our spirit. And the spirit detaches on the top of the head. So when you hear people talk about a near-death experience and going through the tunnel and seeing light, that's what happens. Our spirit exits through the top of the head, the crown chakras, what what people that are into chakras and yogis and that kind of stuff talk about. Right. And it hangs on it hangs on to the top of the head, JA, and it looks like a cartoon caption. It looks like that bubble in a cartoon where it's the words that either a character is speaking supposedly or they're thinking. Right. It looks like I call it the spirit bubble. And so that's the first phase. Everybody goes through the 12 phases of transition is what I've coined it. And and our deceased loved ones' spirits are there. As we're transitioning, we are surrounded by angels. We're surrounded by massive amounts of spirits that are there to welcome us to heaven. I call it the Welcome to Heaven Committee. <laughs> we are, our deceased pet spirits are there. It's really quite extraordinary. How, how does that work then? So in the phase one, when, when that bubble appears, is there divine timing that brings us to phase one? Are there, is there like a, a psychic choice that, that we can make at that moment? Great question. My experience and my belief, because of my experience in helping countless families with this over 25 years, is that we all decide when we go, how we go, where we go, who's with us when we go, and mm. what the circumstances are. And if you talk to any funeral director, any funeral home person, they will tell you countless stories about this family held a vigil at grandma's bedside for three weeks as she was dying and they and the they always had somebody with her and then her daughter got up to go get a cup of coffee and grandma slipped away when when her daughter was out of the room for right five minutes i mean we're all in control right and and when we see like i have a neighbor across the street who committed suicide right. uh three weeks ago lawyer oh successful, beautiful family, beautiful wife. Everybody was just floored when they heard about it, not to mention his family. But he was very calculating in what he did. And so he, he did how he was going to go. Wow. And, and I think that we all, whether we die of some disease that's a prolonged suffering period, I think oftentimes that is for the family so the family can get their affairs in order and the person who's dying can get their affairs in order. And also to give the family the opportunity to get used to the idea that their loved one's not going to be around. When death happens very suddenly, I've had many people throughout the years, J.A., say to me, gosh, I've always been so upset because I hated the fact that my mom died alone. Right. And after she read my book, she said, it brought me so much peace because nobody dies alone. We're right. all surrounded by our deceased loved ones. We're all surrounded by angels. We're all surrounded by deceased pets, spirits. Wow. So what does that look like as you transition out of phase one? 
what because your book is named angelic attendance so right. we're being attended at all times correct as as we transition into the other phases what does it look like what do these angelic attendants look like what does it sound like what does it feel like you describe this to such detail in your book but i was wondering if you could just give us a taste of what that's like sure here on the show sure well, the, the first thing that happens is the closest deceased maternal spirit shows up okay. and she really runs the show. So if your mom is deceased, it's your mom. If, it, if your mom's alive, then it's going to be in your maternal grandmother's deceased. It will be her. If she's still alive, it's going to be her mother, your maternal mm. great grandmother. It's always the person. It's always the woman on the maternal side. So it's not right. like you're paternal grandmother, it would be your maternal grandmother, your maternal great grandmother, which right. I think is fascinating that we right. as mothers are running things from the spirit world for our kids, even right. if they're dead. So it's the mother's spirit that calls in the angels Wow! when the timing is right. And, and so in phase two, the mother's spirit and the closest paternal spirit is there. So again, if your dad is deceased, it's going to be your dad. If your dad's alive, it's going to be your maternal grandfather. Right. You know, if he's alive, it's going to be his maternal grandmother. So, yeah. and on down the maternal line, which I think is in, is really fascinating. And also another interesting point, JA, is that if a person who's dying has been adopted, it's the adopted mother who's running the spirit world show. It's the mother that raises them. Wow. Are the biological parents present? They are, but they're not running the show. They're bystanders. They're there for support. And I can see baby's spirits attached to the mother's energy field before they're born, before they're hmm. conceived. Right. And I know you have a baby. And so that baby chose you and your wife. And adopted babies choose their adopted parents. They choose their birth parents, but they also choose their adopted parents. And right. baby's energy looks like an orb that you'd see in a photograph. Right. Looks like Glenda the Good Witch. Here comes my Wizard of Oz <laughs> metaphor again. Glenda the Good Witch rides into Munchkin Land on a bubble right. in an orb. That's, right. what, that's what baby's spirits look like. When you see orbs in pictures, family pictures or whatever, those are spirits. And the digital cameras just take their pictures. So I digress. Anyway, the maternal spirit calls in the angels. These are big old angels as they appear to me. Um, they are uh, between six and seven feet tall. They're wearing white robes. They got big old wings. They are, their robes are roped at the waist. You know, they're tied at the waist with a vanilla cover colored rope. It's, it's, it's how I picture angels. Is that how angels really appear? Who knows? It's how I see them so that I can identify who they are. You know, that's a very important point. When I wrote the Nobody Bible, it was like this love letter to, these, to the world religions and how the knowledge within these traditions is something that can help us no matter who we are, no matter what our path. And I, I think it's a valuable lesson to share about, you mentioned that these, these beings are how they appear to you because it's how you conceive of them. And it's not so much about rightness or wrongness, it's about perception. I mean, would you agree? Is All of the world's great religions all say the same thing. Right. They, just, they just maybe have a different flavor or a different character or a different, uh, you know, different dressing, if you will. 
Well, talk to us about, you know, some people will say death is the great equalizer. And certainly by reading your book, that, was, that became very clear to me. Now, there were some differences in delineation about the, how the process may have been shaped at times. But can you talk a little bit about those angelic attendants? Because we've had guests on the show talking about they invoke the Archangel Michael or they invoke Archangel Shamuel. We had another guest who was talking about that. Can you talk to listeners about the role of angels and about how they help that transition as we, as we reach stages 11 and 12? They are facilitators. They're attendants, as I mentioned. Like, like you, when you get married, you have bridal attendants. You know, you have however, however many attendants at your wedding. They are, right. they are there to facilitate the transition. And they act in a couple of different ways. They are there to... Uh, be the line of demarcation between our physical world and the spirit world. Mm. And as somebody goes through the 12 phases of transition, as they get to the latter phases, that the angels start out, J.A., in a circle around the person as they're dying. And as the person gets closer to death, that circle opens up into a horseshoe and eventually into a straight line okay. with the parents or grandparents' spirits anchoring the line of angels, which I think is really important that that's mentioned because people think, well, angels are so much holier, so right. much more important than us. They're not. We in, in spirit form and when we're in a human body having the human experience, we are the most powerful beings out there. And mm. people think that when somebody dies, they become an angel. That's like saying when when a dog dies, it becomes a dandelion. It's not, <laughs> it's not the same species. Right. It's different. So the, the really fascinating thing to me is that between phase nine and phase 10, picture the spirit bubble that's attached to the top of somebody's head. There are angels that appear in phase five on either side of that spirit bubble. So there's right. angels that are in a horseshoe around the patient. And then there's an angel on either side of the spirit bubble. And as they get to about phase nine, between phase nine and phase 10, their gigantic wings start to move. Hmm. And they move in this very slow rhythmic pattern that reminds me of a giant owl hmm. flying. Yeah. Almost, if you've seen it on maybe, you know, Nat Geo or something, and you can almost feel the drag that the, that the wings make as right. the giant owl is flying silently through the night sky. And what I have discovered is that the movement of the angel's wings causes a vortex to form above the person who's dying, that person's head, and it has an upward pull to huh. it. So it reminds me of being in a car wash when you sit in the car and you get to the end <laughs> yes. and that, they turn that dryer on and it sucks all the water off your car. Yes. It's, it's a very strong upward pull and it's created by the movement of the angel's wings. And interestingly enough, J.A., when I was writing the book, I thought, I'm just going to Google for kicks. You know, <laughs> giant owl, wings, vortex. Well, I didn't know because I'm not an aeronautical engineer. It's called the wingtip vortex. Ah. Every, every flying animal 
every plane, whether it be a glider or a private jet or a jumbo jet or whatever, fighter jet, they all experience what's called a wingtip vortex, which gives the jet lift, which gives the bird lift. And I'm thinking, holy moly, I'm watching these angels' wings create this wingtip vortex that helps the body and helps the spirit separate from the body. And then those angels are escorted to heaven, escort that spirit to heaven. Wow. Yeah. So is there a decision point? Because, uh, you know, is, is there a decision point for the, the person who's experiencing the dying process? Can they kind of call a psychic timeout until either family's present or family leaves? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are, again, back to the funeral directors, talk to any funeral director, they will tell you unlimited stories about the families that have come in that are saying, oh, this was so remarkable when granny was dying. It is interesting, too, I find with these angels, is that as soon as the spirit separates from the body, the whole rest of the spirits that are in the room with the person who's dying, they disappear immediately. So they are there to lend support. The other interesting point too, J.A., is that these transitions can happen in a nanosecond. They can happen over days, weeks, months, a year or long. And when somebody enters, for instance, I told you last week about my brother's friend who had a stroke and was in surgery. He was in phase 11 when he was in the operating room and they were removing part of his skull to to try and deal with the brain swelling. Well, I, if I'd have been a betting woman, I would have told you he wasn't going to make it off the OR table. Right. You know what? Here we are all these years later, he's up walking around, he's back to work. He's wow. So just because somebody's in an advanced phase doesn't mean that they're going to transition. There's a story in my Mm. book about a woman who had a stroke in the operating room and and they were ready to pull the plug, and they pulled the plug. And she lived several more years and came back. Wow. wow. I love that idea of choice because it seems that, you know, our destinations, you know, it's this, this, this contrast we always have between fate and free will. And it seems that there's this wonderful interplay between them because it seems that at the end of time, we are sort of fated to have our final destination, however many trillions of years from now but we've been blessed with the capacity or at least the appearance of free will right now to manage a lot of our affairs, even in the dying process. I think that's a very powerful image to hold because it resolves a lot of that, that uncertainty and tension around fate and free will. Have you found that to be the case? How has that come to you, fate and free will? Well, I believe that all spirits, and I've been told this numerous times, many, many times over the years, that, that spirits, have want to have a human experience because they think it's fun (laughs) and it's and even even when we judge something as oh my gosh that poor person lived just such a tragic life well to a spirit that's fun we as humans judge things to be good or bad beautiful or tragic or whatever to a spirit it's just all the experience and it's fun so i've also Hmm. been told and heard this throughout the years that we all commit suicide and we, we all commit suicide based on when we're ready to go. We either go via right. getting some disease or we're hit by a Mack truck or we jump off a cliff. It doesn't matter. 
we all decide when we go. So in essence, it's really all suicide. It's important to remember even when we're having a tough time, what we perceive as a tough time, to remember everything that's happening in our best interest. It's all happening for us. And, and right. to, when we get distraught or we get angry or we get sad or whatever, to just look at it from a different perspective and say, well, how could this be serving me? Or, or I have to fold this three loads of laundry tonight. How can I make this fun? And, you know, and I'll turn on Motown or right. something and dance while I'm folding right. towels or socks. So I think right. to spirits, it's all fun. And the other thing that's really important to remember is all those human traits, the drama, the whatever, that all stays with the body when the spirit separates from the body. All spirits are pure love and light. All right. So that's an interesting point right there about the, the value of knowing past lives or what, what past lives are, the role of karma. Have you spoken to the other side about that? What does it mean to be reborn? Why do we come back? What is the role of karma? Well, I do past lives differently from anybody else I've ever heard, which no surprise, I'm right. an inventor. So I envision myself walking down this endless hallway, and, and it's narrow, and it has maybe 30 or 40-foot ceilings, J.A., and uh, there are these 12 by 12-inch mirrors that line the walls, floor to ceiling, mm -hmm. and each one represents a different lifetime. So, for instance, I'm doing a past life thing with you, and you say, are there any past lifetimes in which I was a successful warrior? And then the, right. the mirrors that represent the lifetimes in, that correlate will come out from the wall almost as if they're on a hydraulic arm. And then I'll say, show me the right. one that correlates the most. And that one will come out the furthest. And then I envision myself walking into that mirror and I'm shown a scene. I mean, it's like I'm watching a little mini movie and I'm given where yeah. you were, what the date was, what the year was, what happened, all of that. And then we'll get how it correlates with what is happening currently in your present life. So what I find with all these different lifetimes is that a lifetime as we perceive it in our linear time may be a fraction of a nanosecond in the spirit world, right. number one. Number two, we as spirits, back to we think it's fun to have the human experience. Right. We may, let's say we were a lawyer in old England and we represented orphan children. Well, in this lifetime, we wanted to come back and we wanted to be the lawyer that uh, prosecuted juvenile delinquents. We wanted to get a different, right. different view of the same basic theme. And then maybe we come right. back in a different lifetime as an orphan child or as, as a family that adopts an or orphan child and has to assimilate that child into whatever their culture is. So we look at what I find is that we look at different nuances of things in, right. in subsequent lifetimes. And then when we're done with that and we want to move on to something else we're interested in exploring, then we do that. The other thing that's interesting about past lives is when I am working with somebody and there's a nuance in the past life that correlates the most that's affecting in a perceived negative manner, I can right. remove that past life memory, which is in our, our DNA. It comes with our spirit. I can right. remove it from the person's energy field so that it doesn't have an effect on this current mm. life. 
that we we remember our past lives and little children and as your child gets older you may experience this little children are really good about telling you about past lives and they'll just come out with some right. comment and their filters start to shut get shut down about the age of six or seven and that's because we want to have this experience in this lifetime. Right. And we don't want all of our past lifetimes to affect, at least cognitively, we don't want them to affect our current lifetime. Does Very that make interesting. sense? Sure. So it sounds like it, I mean, and we'll never know the exact answer, you know, all the way to the highest levels of the, you know, top of the building, but it sounds like there is an element oh, of yeah, choice. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And we, we come back to experience a different, a different uh, nuance of something that we are still exploring, if you will. I love that. I love that. And I, I just want to share with my listeners, one of my teachers once told a story and they said, this is what it looks like on the other side. It's sort of like you're at a party and you go, oh, I'll be right back. A minute later, you come back to the group and they go, how was it? And to that teacher, that's what you just described. That's how it appeared sure. to that teacher. It was just that fast. And by raising our vibration, by exploring these avenues, by practicing things like mindfulness, by reframing our experiences here, it's not that we're speeding up time. I think it's that we raise the vibration of this experience so we can live it to the highest. Because if we did come back to experience something, we really want to be present completely in mind, body, and spirit for that experience. Agree. So here it is on this week as well. So based on what we've talked about and all this amazing information, what's a tip or tool this week that you can offer listeners that we can use on our journeys of spiritual growth, personal development, spirituality? What can we take from this dying process and apply right now? Well, a couple of things come to mind. The first thing is that the dying process is glorious. It has a glorious component to it. All the heartache, all the, all the sorrow and grief and suffering on behalf of the patient and, on, and emotional perhaps on the, on the side of the family. If we can remember there's a glorious component to this, it helps comfort. And again, that right. chart is on AskJulieRyan.com, and you can read about it in my book. And oftentimes what families will do, J.A., is they'll take a copy of this chart, they'll get it off my website, they'll download the PDF, and they'll take it when a family's holding a vigil as somebody's dying, right. and they pass it around. I've heard numerous stories from families that tell me, we passed it around and everybody was so comforted by knowing right. this is really happening. So that's number one. The other thing is when your deceased, when your dying loved one is saying they're seeing their deceased grandmother who's been dead for a hundred years and you think, well, mom's just hallucinating. Mom's right. not hallucinating. Mom's <laughs> actually seeing her deceased loved one. She's actually seeing her deceased pet. She's actually, a lot of people will say they see a religious figure. If you talk to any hospice mm. worker, it's in the hospice literature. They'll say, expect your family member to say they're seeing deceased loved ones. And as we right. approach the transition from the human existence into pure spirit, we kind of have a foot in each reality and we're able to right. see those things. And um, so 
believe your your loved one when they tell you that just like little kids when little kids tell you they have an imaginary friend they really do right just because you can't see right. it doesn't mean they can't right <laughs> and that's a gift you can give your children because it gives them the confidence to step forward into you know who they really are even if those filters do start to shut down we imprint these experiences. And so I think if we, if we know our parents or caregivers have confidence in us in the things that we don't necessarily see as parents, imagine the confidence they'll have later on when all these wonderful things that they, all, that, that they do do, we have confidence in as well. Then they know that it's a mind-body-spirit connection and not just the five-sense connection that we have with them. So I think that's, that's beautiful advice. I have, may I add one us. other point? Real quickly, do we have time? Of course. I, yes. I was raised Roman Catholic and, and went mm -hmm. to many, many Catholic funerals. And at the end of every Catholic funeral, there's a prayer said called In Paradisum. Mm. And it talks about mm -hmm. the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. And, mm. and I, when I was writing my book, I researched that. I thought, where did this originate? And it originated, J.A., in a 5th century Gregorian chant. And I thought, oh my gosh, whoever the monk or monks were that wrote this prayer that turned into a chant, they were seeing what I see. Right. And so right. I find once again, there's a correlation in historical documents to corroborate what I'm seeing in my head. And I thought, wow, how many people throughout the ages have seen this? And as we've become a more educated, more literate society and culture, we've shut down these abilities. But right. the fact that I could find corroboration for what I was seeing back as far as the fifth century, I thought, wow. And it could have been, I'm sure it was way before that, but perhaps in the fifth century, that's when somebody was literate enough that they could write down what they were yeah. seeing. Because remember, most yeah. cultures were illiterate. Right. And that's, that's a beautiful point is that if we look, that's why I love studying religion and spirituality so much. It's not because I think it's better or different than any other course of study. It's just I'm fascinated by these historical experiences that we carry with us today and the power that these amazing teachings, prayers, rituals have for us today. It's in the historical documents. Now, does that mean it's true, not true? We don't know. The point is, these are things that have come down to us. These are voices that echo down to us through the ages, and maybe they're worth listening to. Maybe they're worth hearing and learning from and putting into practice to make the most of this journey. So I'm glad you shared that. I'm really glad you shared Thank that. You. So that brings us to the end of this episode of the Nobody Guide to Life. Thank you again. Julie Ryan, for being on the show and for all the wonderful work you do. Just thank you for all of your gifts. Wow, goodness. Thank you for the opportunity to spend some time with you and your listeners. Well, it's, it's been a joy. And to everyone listening, knowing more about death doesn't mean we should forget to live. I'm sure those on the other side who look after us want nothing more than for us to live the best lives we can. I think they're rooting for us. So let your curiosity about the other side only give you a greater motivation to make the most out of the life you have left here. You can find out more about Julie Ryan and all her wonderful work at AskJulieRyan.com. Links to her podcast, links to her book, links to the chart she's been talking about. It's a great site. Hurry over there. And remember, you can always find out more about what we're doing at the NobodyGuideToLife.com 
or you can reach out to us on Twitter and Facebook at Nobody's View or join the Facebook community, Simple Spirituality. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please consider a review or a subscription. We'd really appreciate it. Keep practicing and have a good week.